Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a great start to your day. It's NBA Draft Day, and in preparation for that, I am very happy to welcome NBA big board legend, NBA draft guru, Chad Ford is with us. Chad, how are you doing today, sir? Uh, obviously, a busy day, you know, getting up to the NBA draft. Yes, sir. It's uh, it's busy, but it's always fun and enjoyable and great to be involved in all of this and uh, cool to be part of Locked On. And, uh, you know, in Dallas right now, getting ready for our live draft show uh, on on Thursday, uh, all through the draft. So really excited about that as well. Chad is obviously part of the Locked On family. He is obviously the leading knowledge when it comes to the NBA draft, was part of our Locked On coverage when it came to the Ultimate Mock Draft. Now, Chad, i got to ask you directly. Um, I know you went through a lot of content last week, but I was able to trade up to 14 and land, and land uh, James Boaknight, and then at 17 took Keon Johnson in our Ultimate Mock Draft. I hope I at least got a high grade from you making those moves. If you got both of those guys at that at that uh, point in the draft, I would say yeah, you get you get really high reviews. I think Book Knight is is off the board in the top ten. Keon Johnson is, is sliding a little bit, um, but I don't think he should. Uh, I think that teams are overreacting to a young player who still is figuring it out offensively. But there's so many tools to like in Keon Johnson. Uh, I think he should be there. So, you know, you get a great, great grade when you draft players that, that should be off the board and you get them. So great job. Yeah. I'm a huge Tennessee fan as well. So hearing Keon sliding is a, is, it hurts the heart a bit, but, but, but we'll get into that in more in a second. Obviously, we were, we're thrilled to have Chad and talk with him about Grizzlies basketball. He obviously was on 92.9 yesterday talking about some of the potential targets that Memphis could go after. So expanding on that conversation, Chad, I, you, you mentioned yesterday that from what you're hearing, what makes sense, things such as that, that the three names that you're hearing are Franz Wagner, Josh Giddy. And Zaire Williams. Now, the one that stands out to me really is Zaire Williams. And the reason why I say that is because it feels like that with the development track that, you know, the time frame it may take with him, it doesn't really make sense as to why the Grizzlies would want to look at him at 10 when they may have had him at 17. Is it because of the fact that he has such a high ceiling? Because of the fact he's becoming more of a likelihood to be taken in the lottery? What's the connection between Memphis and Zaire that seems to make sense to you? I think that you're, it's a big swing for Memphis, but I don't think Memphis got up to 10 in the draft to, to go get Corey Kispert or, you know, someone who is, you know, going to help them now, but maybe doesn't have a big upside. When you're in the 10, you swing. And the thing about Zaire was he was ranked really his whole high school career in the top 10. He started in, the, I think, maybe pick seven or eight for us at the start of the season struggled at Stanford tremendously. I, I, there's no way to sugarcoat it. He was awful at Stanford. But when you go back and look at his high school tape, you look at the situation in Stanford. Team couldn't practice more than one hour a day. No home games all year. Living on the road the entire time. Uh, struggling with uh, a knee, uh, a tweaked knee, not a serious knee injury, but a tweaked knee that caused him to wear a knee brace. Going to a Stanford team that's not used to having one and bends on their roster and struggling to integrate with a team where he was used, used to be the man and instead um, really didn't have a role, uh, a, a significant role on that Stanford team. 
deaths in the family, all of that, all those things together. And then you see him in workouts where he's put on 13 pounds, the explosions back athletically. He's shooting the basketball well. He's been confident in workouts. And teams are looking at a 6'10 athletic bouncy wing who could be a secondary ball handler, who can shoot the three. Uh, and there's a lot to like there. Now, maybe the Stanford tape was exposing something, and, and he's a big risk there. But lots of people in Memphis uh, like him quite a bit. And he actually kind of reminds me of a, a, a guy that's on Memphis's staff right now, Tayshawn Prince. That certainly is a, a unique comparison when it comes to a two-way wing that can shoot. And that also, you know, with Tayshaun, obviously, there's the, there's the IQ factor as well. You know, you see that with Kyle Anderson, though I, I believe that Zaire is a bit more athletic than Kyle Anderson. But, you know, that brings me to another question that, that I find really interesting. First off, I'll ask it this way. I feel like that the Grizzlies coming into this draft, Chad, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like the two high preferences for the um, were the roster need for a significant big wing talent to pair with John Jaron, as well as a skill set need of finding some type of wing talent that can shoot. It, does that sound like a, a high priority for Memphis when it came to what they were looking for in this draft? Absolutely. And that's why you heard the names Franz Wagner, uh, who, you know, is an interesting combination of those things. Zaire. Giddy, whose name is there, is a little bit more problematic for me. He is the big wing, uh, but he doesn't have the shooting or the defense. There's no three or D. Uh, he's, you know, the thing that, that you like about Josh Giddy is that he's, he's really one of the two or three best passers in this draft. I mean, he, he really has an exceptional feel. Maybe not LaMelo Ball, but but, you know, up there as far as how he feels and sees the game, the problem for him is that he doesn't quite have the lateral quickness uh, to really defend. And his jump shot is very, very wonky right now. And, and so I, I wonder a little bit, given that Memphis's need, especially when you're going to put him on the floor with jaw, is not to put a non-shooter on the floor. Uh, with him. And, and so I, I wonder a little bit about that. Wagner is interesting because he wasn't like a lights out shooter at Michigan, but he was good enough. Um, and the other thing about Wagner is, you know, truly he's a three positional player. You could play him at the four, the three and the two, um, which I think is really attractive there. I'm not sure Wagner is going to be there, to be honest. I, I think that if the Grizzlies want Wagner, they're going to have to probably move up in the draft. The Golden State's looking at him seriously at seven. Uh, the Magic are looking at him at eight and the Kings at nine. But yeah, you, you've got the right sort of assessment. You know, Moses Moody probably should be in that mix as well. I've heard his name a little bit there. Moody's issue, I think, again, is the length is awesome on the defensive end. The, the, the heavy legs and the slow feet uh, are a concern. And, you know, you're reaching a little bit more with Moody about what his defensive upside is, given that he is a, a really kind of a subpar athlete. And then, so that leads me right into a, a bit, one of the bigger questions I had for you is that you, we talk about, so the thing that stands out about Memphis getting to 10 and the way that they did it, Chad, was that they now become a very resourceful trade partner. You've got Golden State at seven, who could be attracted at a pick and player combination from Memphis, who has several immediate contributors that could help out the depth in Golden State. But you also have the Magic 
at eight, who I believe that you and that I may be wrong on that, but I've at least seen have some increased interest in Zaire Williams. For instance, with the Magic, you could have them move back to 10, give them a future first rounder from the three you have in 2022. The Grizzlies move up to eight, and you're probably in a prime position to get a Wagner or a Moody. It seems like to Memphis's advantage to choose from that big wing that's a two-way shooting type potential, um, you know, target, it seems like a trade-up really does create a lot of opportunities for them, and there's ways to certainly get that done at seven or eight. Oh, absolutely. I think seven and eight are, I think there's absolutely ways to get seven and eight. I think there's teams that have been frustrated that they can't get higher, teams that have been trying to get into the top four, which is harder to crack given the talent level uh, that's there. But get, getting to seven, eight, nine, uh, even even if it's just swapping one pickup with Sacramento, who I think is, uh, uh, you know, one potentially like likely destination for uh, for Franz Wagner, that's very doable for Memphis. And if that's their guy, it's probably something that they can assess as they get closer, you know, to the draft about where they want to go. Because there is some, you know, book nights there, uh, Kaminga's there. Uh, there, you know, Giddy, Giddy's out there. I mean, there's some other prospects that are on the board there that maybe push the guy that they want to them. But if they're going to be safe, yeah, bumping up a couple of spots would do it. And it certainly seems like Franz Wagner, with what he does, two-way potential. You mentioned yesterday, mentioned today, the Grizzlies do focus on analytics in their um, assessment of the draft. Wagner really stands out there. He seems like a very, very good fit for what Memphis has preferred in the past, but this time around being an upside swing. But what about later in the draft? And with the resourcefulness Memphis has, could Memphis be a team that can make multiple draft night trades. I'll talk about that with Chad in just a second. Obviously, many teams are looking to find a a few ways to upgrade their roster so that it can perform better as time goes on. Well, as time goes on, you're probably going to have to find a few ways to upgrade your car's performance by repairing parts. And if that's the case, rockauto.com is a great place for you to start to be able to do that. Within a few clicks of the button, you'll likely find what you need, regardless of make and model, regardless of, you know, the cars, the car, and regardless of the part that you need, rockauto.com is likely to have it. And it's also likely to be economically feasible. This is a family-owned business. They've been in business for over 20 years. They know car parts typically fall outside of most folks' budgets, and so they try to make things as economically friendly as possible. When you visit rockauto.com, let them know that the Locked On Podcast Network sent you. Rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Today is the day, and the Locked On NBA Podcast Network has you covered. NBA Draft Goat Chad Ford, our guest on today's show, Locked On NBA host Rafael Barlow, and Locked On NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA Draft. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021, brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick, as well as any information when it comes to potential trades. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our live coverage on July 29th at 7 p.m. So, Chad, before we get into looking at what the Grizzlies might be able to do later on in the draft, the one other quick question that I had for you was this. When it came to shot, when it came to shooting with these wings, and you mentioned Book Knight as a target, a big, big thing for Memphis are players who can create their own shot. When you look at a Wagner, when you look at a Moody, 
Do either of them intrigue you specifically in the area of creating their own shot? Or is Zaire Williams just a significantly better projection when it comes to that specific area? Do Moody or Wagner, you know, just make it happen for you as far as being shot creators in time? Yeah, Moody, no. I mean, I don't think he has the foot speed uh, to be able to really get by people uh, at the next level. Wagner, I think there's potential there. Uh, I, I'm not saying that, that that is his best attribute, but I think there is some potential there. Zaire Williams is, you know, far and away the best prospect if, if you're really thinking about shot creation off the dribble uh, of those three. And, you know, look, they all provide, you know, something a little different. Moody's the best three-point shooter of the group. Wagner is definitely the best defender uh, of the group, the best multi-positional defender of the group. Uh, Zaire is more, it's the best athlete of the group and the best combination of guys that can score off the bounce and maybe pull up and shoot. So, you know, this is, this is where you're at in the draft. You're not going to have a prospect that hit, picks every box that you want. And so you have to start to decide which of those boxes are the most important, you know, to our team. And, you know, this is why teams said in debate, you know, is it Wagner? Is it Moody? Is it, is it Zaire Williams? Because all of them play the same position roughly, but they all bring something a little different to the table as far as strengths and weaknesses. And the other thing that I'll ask is this then is that, you know, so it was basically moving up to get in the position to get that wing and then deciding who made the most sense. But the other thing that I'll ask is, is that it seems like in this draft, you are seeing quite a bit of targets that could be in that latter 20 range, that 20 or 30 range, who are high upside. Now, some of these names may go before, but just on some projections there, Cam Thomas, Jaden Springer, Josh Christopher, Trey Mann, a lot of those names have been connected to Memphis J.T. Thor. A question that I have for you is this, first off, could you do you feel tomorrow night we will get a lot of movement in the back half of the first round where some teams are trading future picks. We're seeing some veterans traded. Could we see a lot of trades where teams are trying to buy in to the latter half of the first round to make these upside swing picks for some of these intriguing talents? Oh, I think we're going to see it all over the place. You know, Golden State at 14, pick is available. Uh, Wizards at 15, pick is available. Knicks at 19, is available. Lakers at 22, pick is available. Uh, you've got multiple, uh, Rockets have two picks at 23, 24. I'm not sure they're adding three first round picks, you know, to their roster this year. So oh, at least one of those picks are available. Absolutely. That's the sort of thinking now. And that is the range where you're looking at, you know, a Cam Thomas or a Josh Christopher, uh, for example, or a Miles McBride, a guy that I, I really like and think could make some real sense in Memphis. They'd be a little bit small in their backcourt, but McBride can play one and two, is an elite defender, and can, can really stroke the basketball as well. Uh, I mean, there's a number of, of, you know, if that's what you're sort of looking for now, guards uh, and and, you know, a shot creating wings that are available there. And if Memphis wants to get in there, I, I think they can. They're, they're, they're going to have company uh, from other teams that are trying to do exactly the same thing. But they, again, they have some assets that can be attractive and moving up there if there's a second prospect that they, that they covet. 
from what you've heard or what you've seen when you look at the uh, the workouts or the interviews that Memphis had with some of these players, do, do, do one or two targets seem to make sense for you that Memphis could go after? Like Josh Christopher, I know that uh, John Morant has had a few interactions with him on Twitter. I know that there's a relationship there between Christopher and um, uh, Tayshawn Prince, who's in the Memphis front office. Jaden Springer was linked to them quite a bit in mock draft situations. Is there one or two prospects if Memphis were to move in that late first round who you think would make a lot of sense along with McBride, who also has been connected to Memphis? Yeah, I mean, I, I like all of those guys. Of all the guys you've mentioned, I'm probably the highest on McBride because I know that I know that he's going to get on the floor because of the defensive part of the game. That's the hardest thing for rookies, especially drafted later, to crack a rotation is that their defense is typically pretty bad. I think Miles McBride immediately, the way he grinds what he played at West Virginia, he's really intriguing there. Josh Christopher to me is one of the big swings because, you know, this was a kid again, who was a you know top 10, top 15 high school player in the country, NBA athlete all the way, NBA body really struggled like Zaire at Arizona state, uh, you know, had some injuries that, that limited his playing time there. I was really impressed with him at the combine. I was impressed with the competitiveness. He's got game. I don't think there's any question he's got game. He's confident. Uh, and he could end up being a big-time player for them if he pops. Now, the shooting is solid. It's not great. I would probably – that's why I'd probably say McBride is a little bit more intriguing to me because I know the shooting's there. But Christopher has that – he's the prototypical NBA two-guard uh, that you want if if it all comes together for him. So he's a guy that's really interesting. And Springer is one of the more interesting players in this draft. I don't know what he is. He's such a unique player. I'm not sure that there's a great comp. I've kind of thought about Aaron Aflalo. Um, for him, he's a good athlete, but not a great athlete. Like more strong than explosive. He shot the ball really well, but it wasn't uh, with a very high per, uh, high volume of shots. So it's kind of a limited sample size there. He shows some passing ability, but I'm not sure he's a, a true point guard, but he's a little bit undersized for the two. But there's something, he really gets after it defensively, and he's one of the youngest players in this draft. Uh, you know, Springer to me would be a perfectly acceptable choice for, for Memphis uh, with a guy that I just can't quite figure out what he is like Josh Christopher. I know what he is in the NBA with Jaden Springer for good and for bad. He could be a one, he could be a two, um, right? Like it's, it's hard to know. And then I also wonder, you know, you haven't heard this name as much, but Jared Butler is, is a guy that also I think makes some sense both ways for Memphis because he's got three years of experience, one most outstanding player in the final four, but is still not 21 years old. He's still only 20 years old, really shoots the basketball well, absolutely can play both positions on the floor. And it's just some health issues that kind of came up with the combine that are the only reason that he would even be available um, at that spot. But if he's truly healthy, he's kind of the right combination of a guy for me that both helps you now and still has a pretty bright upside because he's a younger player. And that is something that, that makes sense to me in terms of Memphis because it really seems like they would be going for that, you know, high, intriguing perimeter-type player. Maybe the two-guard who at their 
peak could be on the court with John Morant quite a bit. But if they were to deal a Tyus Jones in this situation, who's known to be on the market, or even a Kyle Anderson with his facilitation, it looks like a playmaker would stand out. Which leads me to another question. Say you were comparing a, a Cam Thomas or a Josh Christopher with a Jade Springer. You say you mentioned that you could peg what Cam Thomas or Josh Christopher will be, but it may be one particular they're really good at versus Jaden Springer, who's very, very solid across the board, who could eventually become above average at quite a bit of things. When you get in that 20 to 30 range, what stands out more for you? The player who can do who can do really good or even elite at one skill set or someone who could be very good, though you can't quite peg them yet, they could be very good in a variety of areas. Which prospect typically stands out better to you in terms of NBA analysis? Usually in the 20s, I want to know that he's got one thing that can keep him on the floor. There's one thing that he does at an NBA level, a quality level, that can keep them on the floor. And that's why I think the Grizzlies have done a pretty good job in the draft the last couple of years. Desmond Bain, you know, sort of comes to mind. Like, you knew there were things that he was just going to be able to do well in the NBA. And you didn't worry about that he didn't have all the upside to do other things. Like, he's going to do something and earn a living. And, you know, that's, that would make the most interesting argument for Cam Thomas because Cam Thomas literally only does one thing. I look at his statistical life. He does one thing. He is an elite scorer of the basketball. Uh, he can put the ball in the bucket from anywhere on the court. He won't play any defense. He will not pass the ball. Um, you're not going to get anything else out of him other than he's going to come in and try to drop 30 on you every night. And there's some like shades of like Jordan Clarkson, uh, you know, with him or Lou Williams with him as this high energy scorer off the bench. He's not a great athlete. Uh, and if you know that about Cam and you're okay with that, and, and he's going to slot into a very particular role for your team, I think he's a really good pick. If you're trying to project him to do other stuff, there's no evidence in his high school film or his college film that he's interested in doing anything else other than that. I'm not sure he's physically capable of doing it. And so, you know, can you, can you live with that? But I will say this about Cam Thomas. He is one of the best scorers that we've seen come into the draft in a, in a while. He really, really can put the ball in the bucket. How many teams could go so many different directions tonight? And if that's the case, the good thing is, is that there's probably going to be plenty of different odds that you can choose from when it comes to wagering and betting on tonight's NBA draft. And that's the thing about July is that there's been so many different things you could choose from if wagering betting is part of what makes you a sports fan. The thing is, though, is that BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. And that's where you can get all the latest news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Expanding the view away from the Grizzlies and then obviously um, we'll, we'll finish up with one more Grizzlies question. You know, something that I mentioned a few times that I feel about this, this draft, Chad, is that this is a draft with the depth of upside that's in it and just the, the overall depth of talent that's in it. This seems to be a draft that really could be memorable. I've, I've stated that the draft lottery that happened on June 22nd could be a memorable date for a third of the league for good or bad reasons, but it really feels like at least a third 
maybe a half, not to be dramatic, of the league could see their future significantly impacted by this draft. Do you get that feeling with just how much quality potential is in this draft, even beyond the top three or four compared to most drafts? Yeah, this is, I, I really like the top six in this draft. I, I I mean, you know, we can talk about the fact that there's three potential superstars here, and then there's an, another three that are potential all-stars, maybe superstars. That's a great draft. And then uh, what, one of the things that I'm really interested in is I'm not as confident in the, in the seven to 14 guys. I think there's going to be, you know, four of those guys will hit and maybe three of them won't. And that, that kind of scares me a little bit. But then as you start getting into late teens and twenties, again, it starts to settle out with a number of guys that I think could be productive role players in the NBA. And, you know, John Hollinger, my good friend who does a lot of analytics and used to work uh, there in Memphis, you know, makes this argument that if you look at it every year, there's 20 players in a draft. Uh, they're, they're not the first 20, but if you look at the overall draft, there's about 20 players that turn into actual NBA players. I think both he and I think that this draft, there's more. And so that's, a, you know, that, that's a significant thing to sort of say about a draft. I think this is going to be a great draft. And the other thing that's going to make it so fun is, all of our mock drafts are probably going to be obliterated on draft night because I just expect that we're going to see significant movement from teams up and down these boards. And we're trying to project these players to teams and those teams may be drafting in different positions and it can throw the whole thing off. And if somebody works really, really hard on their mock draft and is calling a million folks, it's, it's a little tough to like set it on fire, you know, 30 minutes into the draft. But at the same time, that's what makes the draft so fun. And so I'll ask you kind of a two-part question here, just kind of your gut feeling. Do you feel that the Memphis Grizzlies are far from done when it comes to draft night? I have a feeling they could make multiple trades, just not not details, you know, whatever you want to give. But do you get the feeling that, that, that Memphis could make multiple trades and their aggressiveness in the draft for a small market? Is that an approach with how deep this draft is? It really seems like that if the Grizzlies are – in line, if they're if they're you know hoping to make a few trades in this draft, that's smart to get as much value out of it. How active do you think they'll probably be, and how smart of it is it of them in a small market to be that active in a draft like this? I think they're going to be active. I think they're taking the right approach. Instead of saying, "Hey, we made the playoffs, let's go get a couple of overpriced veterans and go from a you know first round exit to a second round exit, and then sort of bottom out." say, you know, let's build on this progress um, where, you know, we, we have our centerpiece now in, in Ja. We know who he is. I loved the Stephen Adams ad. I think that's the sort of ad that adds you some sort of better ability uh, and maybe even Eric Bledsoe to a certain extent. So now let's, let's buttress this up with a couple of other young players that if they pop could put us in a position to be winning a championship in a few years. And I, and I think that's the right mentality and I think they're going to be very aggressive in trying to find those players uh, in this draft. And I think they're in the perfect spot to, to be able to do it. I think they know who they are and I think they know who they want to be. And I think they're taking the right approach to it and not trying to trying to do shortcuts and, and jump ahead in the process in ways that probably don't really work with the timeline of your young guys. 
Can't thank you enough for the kind words, Chad. Obviously, you're going to be busy this week through Locked On, but where can folks find your work, great work, as well as, you know, after the draft, obviously, uh, with with this being such a, a monumental draft in terms of its impact on the league? Yeah, I'm mean, NBABigBoard.com. You can find everything over there, including I have a Locked On podcast, NBA Big Board. Uh, this week, it, you know, usually it's once, twice a week. This week, it's been every day. Uh, you know, podcasting away on this, but you can go over to NBA Big Board. That's my newsletter. Uh, you're going to get stuff in your inbox from me right now. Again, every day, sometimes multiple things a day, mock drafts, updates, big draft rumors piece today about some you know, potential trades that are out there. And then, you know, draft grades are coming and we'll jump right into the 22 uh, NBA draft right away. And so, yeah, please come over to NBABigBoard.com and subscribe to my newsletter. His name is Chad Ford. He does great work. He's done great work for decades. He will be with John Corrales and Rafael Barlow tomorrow night for the Locked On NBA Draft coverage. Mr. Ford, if you'll stick with us for just a second after uh, we're done with the show, but can't thank you enough for joining us. Thank you for making the time. Thanks for having me. That'll do it for me and Chad. My name is Sean Coleman, and it's going to be an exciting night. We're going to have you covered throughout the night as well as all the reaction tomorrow through the weekend and into next week when it comes to the NBA draft. Should be a fun one. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.